And we went on holiday um, and left Rambo in the care of my grandmother, but she kept feeding him moths to see what would happen because she was like that. To the electronic wireless show, uh, rock paper shotguns, video games podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. Uh, today's the episode. The only podcast. The only podcast ever. Yeah, they've yeah. all been deleted. We're the only one left, so you have no choice. Today's episode seventy-six. Brendan assures me, although I thought it wasn't, and made him doubt himself. <laughs> Sorry, Brendan. How are you, <laughs> Brendan Caldwell? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much. Alice Bale. <laughs> And we're joined today, as you heard, uh, by John Walker. Hello, John. Hello. Hello. How are you? We're both jet lagged because we both. Yes, we are. We're at GDC. Yeah. Very sleepy, tired. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Mm. It's like being a baby. I'm like, I'm reverse cycling. You're just wandering around with your head, like, lolling everywhere. You can't support the weight of your own dome. Pooing in your pants. (laughs) Yeah, I do that anyway when I'm not Mm jet-lagged. But yeah, I just need someone to, like, I wake up every three hours sad and hungry, and I need someone to (laughs) (laughs) feed me and cuddle me and put me back to bed. That's what Matt's for, isn't it? Is it? Can I make him? Yeah. That'd be good. Um, how are you, Brendan? How's it? I I want another cat update. I haven't had a a cat update for ages. My cat is um, we've started cracking the skylight. Uh, but she climbed out of the skylight. I, I think I told you she climbed out of the skylight onto the roof. But we've figured out a way of weighing down the skylight so that it's just open enough, and um, she peeps through a tiny little slit into the real world. <laughs> And she stands up on her hind legs like a meerkat and just peeps through this kind of tiny letterbox opening and, and sniffs the, the real air. <laughs> that's, that's how she's getting on. That's good. I, we once, we, my big brother used to have snakes when I was a kid. And one time he didn't, he forgot to like weigh down the top of the vivarium, terrarium, whatever it is that you keep a snake in. Reptilium. Snake tank. Big snaky box. The snake cottage. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and because snakes are very muscular, it just basically stood up on its tail and levered the top open and then escaped. Um, and we didn't find it for months and then until mum found it in the, the coal scuttle because we had a coal burning arger and she nearly she put, tipped out the coal scuttle and the snake nearly went into, into the arger. It had just wow. been roaming free in the house. And one summer, another one escaped and then just 
we we didn't know what happened to it. My brother dropped it in the garden, and then it was found the next summer, a lot bigger, <laughs> in a hedgerow, full of toddlers. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. definitely a more exotic story than my house cat peeping through a window. <laughs> Yours is nicer though. We had loads of weird pets when I was a kid because my my big brother was just really weird. So he had a praying mantis called Rambo as well. Weird. <laughs> Rambo. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I remember Rambo. And we went on holiday um, and left Rambo in the care of my grandmother, but she kept feeding him moths to see what would happen because she was like that. Um, and she overfed Rambo with moths and he died. Oh, poor Rambo. Yeah. At least he probably died happy. Yeah, and full. Full of moths. Full of moth. <laughs> so yeah, pets are great, I guess. And cool. Um, but don't let them escape. Welcome to the RPS podcast, where you can hear all about reptiles and insects. <laughs> there is a really good podcast that I was going to recommend, that I recommend to all of you. But that I digress. Let's get to the actual point of this. Um, which is, we're going to talk about games, what made us change our mind. Or, as John pointed out, games about which we have changed our mind. It wasn't me. I had nothing to do with it. It was entirely Brendan. Oh, I just know that you're the preposition, man. Just because I can speak the language of the country I live in. Did either of you see um, Pip War, who used to work for RPS, who used to be on this podcast, um, went to work for PC Gamer, uh, but she has recently um, left. And they did a front page cover for her. And one of the the headlines. It's like a false front page cover that people do in media to say goodbye to people. And one of the headlines, like the, the fictional headlines in it, in it is prepositions a good hill on which to die. <laughs> it's just like, that's the that's a killer, that's a killer subtitle. <laughs> that's really good. I got one of those when I left Video Gamer. It's on my desk. It's good. What did they? What did they mock you for? What did they mock? Well, one of them. The one I remember is that, like, um, uh, I think it's just like, let me tell you again about what Cuphead has in his head, and then the sub was like, I'm going to be dining out on this one for years because I would always bring up the article that I wrote, which is just a a a long overthink about what could possibly be in Cuphead, given that it's a. Like he drinks it, so it can't be a non-Newtonian fluid and all this kind of stuff. Like, but it doesn't fall out when he's, you know, like. What was your conclusion then? What's in his head? Don't know. Basically, they, <laughs> they were like they they revealed recently that because it's moving to Switch. I think they revealed that it's milk, in the Switch ad, which I did posit. Because I was like, it, it, there's loads of stuff. Like, it, it's a cup slash mug, which you associate with hot stuff. But they've got an, a, a straw in it, which is normally used to denote a cold beverage, you know. And they, they drink out of it. Hazel Monforton, who uh, was a writer and now she works at Arcane Studios, was like, is, does that count as, like, vor? Which is a kind of fetish about eating people and being eaten, you know. I was wondering what the hell you were talking about there for. <laughs> yeah. So that they mocked me for that, basically. There's gonna be there's there's gonna be some online art somewhere of su- Cuphead sucking his. Yeah, own well, straw. I mean, it, like Mugman, it's in the game. There's a you know. Like, anyway, 
so yeah, games about which we changed our mind. John, you're the guest. What's a game that you changed your mind about which? <laughs> which about? It took me uh, quite... I think the problem is that I'm too right <laughs> as a person. No, um, I've struggled to think. I know there are loads of examples, but the one that I... The most wrong I've ever been, the one I've changed my mind about the most, is definitely Monkey Island 3. Which, for some reason, I decided was a terrible game and rubbish, and it was the worst Monkey Island game. And that 4 was way better. And then I went back and played 3 again. I was like, oh, oh, I was wrong. It's really good. Which one is 3? The one in the town. The the thing I can remember most predominantly about it is that the clock tower in the centre of town accurately accurately shows the time on your Windows clock. That is the main thing I can remember about it. (laughs) That is a neat, a neat thing, though. Yeah. I'm going to look up Monkey Island. Oh, the Curse of Monkey Island. Yes. Yeah, I loved that one. Why did you not like it, John? I, I think it was, I must have been, how old, when, what year did it come out? Someone told me the answer to that. 1997. So I would have been... I've made that up. I don't know when it came out. Oh, you're such a liar. It was actually 1997. Was it? Wow. How <laughs> strange. Yeah. So I would have been 18, 19, 19. So I've got no excuse whatsoever. I didn't think if I were a churlish teenager, you could, I could at least put it down to that. But I don't have any excuse whatsoever. I would have been 19 years old. I think, I don't know, I just bounced off it for some reason and just decided it was the rubbish one. Turns out that actually the rubbish one is Monkey Island 1. <laughs> and um, that's true. That's a fact. <laughs> Can't wait to have another episode of this podcast on the same theme in ten years' time. Have you back as a guest <laughs> and say Monkey Island One's really good. I have a real soft spot for Monkey Island Four, which is the one that everyone hates because it was made by uh, Stemley and Clark, who did Sam and Max, and it had lots of the same vibe about it. And I, I have a, a soft spot for that one that it, people don't like it because it wasn't proper Monkey Island. But then proper Monkey Island, Monkey Island One was really dull, quite average game. Monkey Island 2 was amazing, obviously. I'm not, I'm not mad. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. was Monkey Island 4, was that the episodic 3D? No, 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 no. That was, uh, it was still LucasArts. It was sort of dying breath LucasArts. Um, uh, I, went over to, I went over to see them when they were making that game. And it was so cool. I went into the office. So Mike Stemley or Stemmel, I've never been quite sure how to say his name. Um, and Sean Clark were the two guys who made it. And um, they were a sort of writing partnership of complete opposites. And then Mike Stemley now looks amazing. He's like super fit. But when I met him, he was a big, fat, wobbly man with huge, just a giant, shaggy beard and shaggy hair. And he just looked like a complete disaster. Um, and Sean Clark was a super thin, prim, carefully trimmed uh guy and they had a, they shared an office which was divided by an imaginary diagonal line between absolute clutter and madness on Mike's side and perfect pharmaceutical crisp cleanness on on Sean's side <laughs> and then hang, hanging in the middle of the ceiling was a rubber chicken with a pulley in the end <laughs> so it was pretty perfect really that is pretty perfect um, yeah. the the curse of Monkey Island is great cuz like Loads of, like, Murray, the skull, that's his first appearance. Who doesn't love Murray? That's true. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought that was great. And there's the, the sailors who 
run a hairdresser's and you have to persuade them to become your your crew on a ship and stuff. That's really good. There's a lot to like in it, actually. I'm, 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 I'm thinking back on it now. I'm maintaining that I was wrong. That's where, that's where I'm coming at this from. Um, but yeah, that's the most wrong. I think Spelunky would be the other one that comes to mind. I just thought I didn't like it. I thought it was just too hard for me and I wasn't going to like it. And it was for the Tom Francis's of the world. He was obsessed at the time. And then mm-hmm. a couple of years later, I just went back and had the proper go and just really started. I'm no good at it. I'm awful. I managed to get to the second world like once. Uh, no, twice. I managed to get to the next and then just instantly died. I'm absolutely rubbish at it. But I've had a really good time just mucking around in that for those first few levels. So I was definitely wrong about Spelunky. I've, I played a little bit of Spelunky, but not. it, it, didn't, it didn't grab me. But then I've, I've never really... I've never really got into to the sort of, I don't know, it's just, I need more, need more guidance, I think. The death by a thousand cuts of gaming. <laughs> Why do you call it that? Well, it's because it's, you know, rather than, it's just, you, you only, I don't know, maybe it's life by a thousand cuts. You only learn by constant misery and failure. Um, and I don't really, that's why I don't want to want to sit through a Dark Souls or anything like that. But Spelunky, for some reason, it just, I finally understood what I, I understood how I was bad at it rather than how it was bad. I think that's really important. And once I realised how I was bad at it, I could start trying to get better. Now, describe Spelunky for the, the listener at home. It's a game about a man or a woman um, who jumps around in some brown and tries to rescue dogs and princesses and things. Brian is a Kiev, we should specify, not just Brian. It is just some brown. And I think the next level is some green or some blue, I forget. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's amazingly inventive. It was the, it's the positive pioneer of the modern wave of roguelikes, isn't it? Roguelites. It's very well loved. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Do you like Spelunky, Brendan? I'm not that bothered. No. Mm. Um, just because it's, I don't know, I find it's quite, it's about platforming. And when it's just about platforming, I'm a bit, mm, don't care that much. <laughs> Sorry. Gosh. Didn't know you guys were such racists. It's just, it's just <laughs> a bit, I don't know, like plain for me you know i think it's because a whole load of other roguelite platformer things have come out in the meantime and they've taken what spelunky does roguelike wise um with randomizing the levels and stuff like that and giving you weird new items and stuff but just cooler like dead cells i prefer over spelunky and it's basically spelunky but with a fiery headless man instead of a small cute explorer it's also way harder far too hard uh, Spelunky's pretty hard though both are hard but Dead Cells is like crazy uh, I guess with Spelunky Brendan and I have yet to about which change our minds <laughs> <laughs> on it um, <laughs> a, a which a which about game I have mind changed is uh, <laughs> Yakuza, the Yakuza games. Um, I played a bit of Yakuza Zero because it came free on PlayStation, and I played maybe an hour or two, 
and I just thought, okay, you know, this feels like one of those games that people like because it's odd and it's just a bit of a, you know, stupid game. Um, but uh, then I had to, I played, um, I had to play Yakuza Kiwami for review, and uh, I realized, oh, it's not just a janky fighting game that is tonally all over the place about a Yakuza man trying to make good. It's actually really funny. It's just a comedy soap opera. And I think once you realize that, once I had that kind of realization, it it, it meant that I, I got Yakuza. I'm currently trying to play Yakuza 0 again, but there are too many games. That's what I didn't realize you had ever not liked Yakuza. No, I only... Um, I- the Kiwami, we did a, re- a review of a f- couple of months ago, a few months ago maybe, um, was the first Yakuza game I properly played. I had never, I'd never got into it before, and I always used to see people rant, like raving about, oh, Yakuza Zero, it's so, you know, and, and they would do it in a kind of, it's wacky, and I played a bit, and I was like, yeah, it's wacky, but it's also annoying to play. Like, the fighting is quite fiddly. You don't, like, lock on to people, or you can't have a fight in a way that's satisfying like any other game studio would say okay we need to make arkham like batman arkham asylum combat if we're going to do this third person punching stuff but uh yakuza doesn't do that it just kind of you can lock on to people but it doesn't work very well and you just kind of end up swinging wildly like a rhinoceros that's on a rampage in the middle of downtown tokyo um but then you once you realize, no, that's the point. You're just a wild swinging rhinoceros. You, you know, <laughs> if you miss, it's fine. Just keep mashing those buttons, and you'll do some r- ridiculous wrestling move eventually. Uh, and once, once I realized that, it was like, oh, okay, I get the combat. That's fine. It's just about f- dropping fools until there's no more fools, uh, without any kind of finesse. And then everything else is just a funny, stupid, over the top. Uh, drama so definitely changed my mind hard about that I don't know I maybe I just confused Alice O constantly loving you know Yakuza uh, and you know Mishma in, in the in the chat but, and I just I don't know I just thought I had the idea that you you already liked Yakuza what you're hearing is the sound of Alice realizing she commissioned the wrong person to review that game. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Alice, Alice O, um, loves Yakuza, but she also like this is why I was a bit skeptical of it as well because she loves Yakuza, but she also really likes Deadly Premonition, which I think is a funny game, but I will never play because it looks terrible, and it is terrible. Like even people who like it will admit <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, but I just can't face it, and I. Th- felt like, okay, Yakuza's going to be on the same kind of uh, level as that. And the first couple of hours of Yakuza almost feel like it's going to be that, but it isn't as bad as that. Like, there is a... there is a it, The game underneath it isn't as bad. It's not unplayable. It's not a mess. It's just a bit mediocre, but with all this other amazing set dressing around it. What game, Alice Bale about which mind change do you have? I mind about which changed uh, twice uh, with a couple of um, 
from soft games which is it's good that you asked me last um i do not like dark souls or dark souls 2 you get good yeah right john rps style guide says we're not allowed to say get good even ironically oh crap <laughs> go on alice <laughs> but i played uh bloodborne and uh dark souls 3 and i i had to play dark souls 3 for uh my job because my first job at video gamer was as a guides writer so i had to guide dark souls 3 um what well, <laughs> you don't even like them yeah and so i went through with both dark souls 3 and bloodborne i went through this weird thing where i started off and i was like no i still i hate it it's it's bad and i don't like it pretending it's mysterious does it like just yeah i was like no um, and then I got a weird sort of in the sort of towards the middle and late middle, I, I started sort of kind of it was like Stockholm syndrome or something. I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, this is, uh, no, this is really good actually. I see why people are like, yeah, 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 it's really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, the guys with the the swamp, that's a, that's a cool environment. The big, the big city. Oh, this, uh, this castle. This a uh, you know because like, you you know you start off Dark Souls three and you can see the castle. And then eventually you get to the the bottom of the castle, and then you get and you can look up at the top. It's a really high castle, and you get up to the top. I, but then I think, uh, in I can pinpoint in Dark Souls three, uh, where I then immediately went back to just being like, now nah, this is this is horse basically. <laughs> Sorry in advance, Brendan, for for beefing it. But it's that fight, you know, with the two princes. Yeah. Not the fun song by the Spin Doctors. That is not a but... fun song either. Let's let's be honest. But yeah, there's this boss fight in, in Dark Souls 3 where there's like a big prince and then his brother is hanging around his neck. And apparently there's all this hidden lore about them being like inbred and weird or something. I don't know. Or there were some magical experiments done on them. Just whatever. But it, it was just like... It's just... Oh, I was just... I just... I, I, it... I got to that bit because like there's a library and stuff before that, and I was enjoying the library with the ghost arms and stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'd done all the cathedral and I did all the castle with the dragon and all that, and then I just got to the to the princes, and I had to do the bonus boss as well. who's like the lightning king who's got a big stick and whatever. Anyway, <laughs> and I got to those two princes, and I was like. No, this is just stupid. <laughs> so you changed your mind about Dark Souls twice. You went through a whole phase of liking Dark Souls and then quickly came out of it. Yeah, only when I was playing it, though. It didn't, like... And I did the same with Bloodborne as well. I, I like Bloodborne more than Dark Souls. I just think it's kind of cooler. But it's more it's more actually goth and, like, you know... You can have a stick that's also a, a whip or whatever. Um, but I like still. I was playing it and then I, I, I and like, I quite enjoyed. You know, all the shortcuts. You open up that ladder and you're like, oh, it's cool. Can, you know, I'm figuring the game out. But then after a while, I was like, nah, this, this is just needless because <laughs> I don't get like I get stuff like um, like getting over it with Bennett Foddy because I talked to Bennett Foddy at, at GDC. Um, and he really likes the Dark Souls games because you enter this, he said he feels like you enter this kind of almost zen state where it's, you know, you sort of don't care that you die uh, and 
and that you sort of fail and stuff. And But I don't get that. I get that if you're playing something like getting over it with Bennett Foddy, the situation doesn't change and it's and you can feel like you know what's going to happen, like what's coming up and stuff. But I don't get that with Dark Souls because like even though you can learn it really well and you can predict the boss battle and stuff, they're, still, they're really cheesy games. And I think they're cheesed in favour of the bosses. <laughs> so to this day, you don't like the Dark Souls games and you were forced to play two of them fully to, for your job. Yeah, well, so you're... I wasn't forced to play Bloodborne. I played Bloodborne because I'm a professional. Oh, fair. Um, uh, no, I played Bloodborne because I was like, I should, I should give this a go. And then Dark Souls 3, I, yeah, I had to play to completion and then write about as if I didn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it would sound like you're the... You're the kid who got caught like smoking a cigarette and made made to smoke a whole packet of Dark Souls. <laughs> except when you except that your parents made some kind of mistake. You you weren't actually smoking a cigarette. You don't like cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> and you nearly you nearly became a smoker as a result of this. But unfortunately, there were ne- enough in yeah. the pack. <laughs> yeah, or I, you know, it maybe like Jumanji almost as well. I just wanted to play games and then I got trapped in one in in a kind of hellish <laughs> uh, and I wasn't allowed to be freed until I had f- finished the game. Oh, do you imagine? Now, I've never played a Dark Souls game, but I think Alice is right. Well, that's okay. You're both allowed to live in error. We've, we've all got some faults. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why explain to me why they're good? Um, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, I had, I did have a genuine change of mind with Dark Souls, um, the first Dark Souls, because uh, as I was playing it, I did think it was complete, like it was just a unfair nasty thing that wanted to see me dead uh, until uh, it clicked and I realised, oh, it does want to see me dead, but I'm not going to let it. And then I just, you have to become, in a way, competitive with the game. It's just it's just a battle and I liked that once it clicked. I, I got, you know, I'm a petty person so whenever I got into the <laughs> Whenever the game said, you can't complete me, I was like, I'm going to show you a game. I'm not going to let you win. <laughs> so um, I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> so uh, I did uh, I did change my mind about that. Uh, Dark Souls. Dark Souls is a bit like if you took, for me, just making a game out of boss fights. It's like take, saying to someone, well, what's your hobby? Oh, I like rock climbing. What's the thing you like least about rock climbing? Oh, it's when I slip and cut my arm. It's like, okay, well, I've got this new version of rock climbing, which is just slipping and cutting your arm from top to bottom. <laughs> oh, I mean... That's it. Cause, sorry, go on. Because like, Bennett, Bennett Foddy said in a talk he did that he's more interested... It, it's not about... Or it was on a podcast, I think, called Tone Control. Um, it's not necessarily... It's not about games being unfair. It's about games being... He's interested in when games are, like, indifferent to you rather than being... 
unfair. And he said, like, because, like, like, you know, the big RPGs that really want you to see the story through to the end. He was like, that just seems really thirsty to me <laughs> <laughs> of the game. Um, but I think, I don't think that Dark Souls is indifferent to you as a player. I think it is unfair to you as a player. Uh, no, and- no. I think he's, I think Bennett Foddy's hit on something. There is definitely an indifference to Souls games and Sekiro as well, in particular. It doesn't care that much if you can't do the thing. Like, it says, do the thing or go away. And if you do go away, that's fine. Like, this, they're not, the, the game doesn't have to be for everyone. But, like, it's not. It's like an, it, there's something honest about a game just saying, well, you know, here it is. Like, this is the giant ogre. This is the giant bull monster you must beat. And if you can't, I'm sorry, go away. <laughs> like, like, it's like, it's like a horrible Tory who, <laughs> who, you can't, who you can't help but just think, oh, well, you know, at least they believe what they're saying. You know, <laughs> at least they're not a, a, a hypocritical scumbag. They actually believe that you have to do bad. You have to go through hell to get something. <laughs> you know, it's just, at least it's not, it's not an insincere game. And I think that that's, that's what he means by it. It's, it's indifferent to you. It doesn't want, it doesn't want to drag you along. It wants you to, it just wants to be itself and you have to take it or leave it. But do you not think games with that attitude engender the worst of our culture? They do. Yeah. I have, okay. I have no <laughs> good. End of point. <laughs> <laughs> no, they absolutely do. Like, I mean, it's like it becomes this argument about, oh, well, you, you need to get better or get out, and it's like it's such a horrible thing to say to someone. There's a there's a balance. Like, every player will know themselves when they want to give up, and I think that's the point like i gave up in bloodborne like i haven't played any more bloodborne but uh that's fine you know the game doesn't care so why should i just <laughs> funny you uh describing uh liking learning to like dark souls out out of pettiness because you don't want to prove the game right that you can't beat it does that make sense <laughs> that that's basically the approach that I've recently adopted to working in the games industry. <laughs> <laughs> you won't let it get rid of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just uh, running on like pettiness and spite. <laughs> just running on the fumes of not allowing them to to win. <laughs> it's a good attitude, I think, to take. There are healthier approaches. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is a good segue talking about Dark Souls and and Souls likes, uh, and and from soft games because we're now going to talk about what we've been playing. Brendan. What have you been playing? <laughs> I've been playing Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which is the latest game from the Dark Souls, the Dark Souls Murderers, and it's deadly. And we did our review of it 
So if you want to read the review, you'll get all of the mechanic, like the itty bitty details about how it actually works. But yeah, it's it's very good. I'm liking it a lot. It's definitely you don't get any multiplayer. So normally what I do in Dark Souls is you you I would go up to like the nearest boss and I'd be like, I'll just be with you in a second. And I would call in like a little gang of people who are better than me. And I would say, okay, you fight the boss and I'll stay alive. And then the (laughs) boss will die. (laughs) And uh, we can all go home happy. I don't actually say any of this because you can't communicate with people in Dark Souls. But they understand. uh, And that's how I get through Dark Souls games by and large. Sekiro does that thing where it says, no, you play the game my way. and Part of Sekiro's rules is that there are no other people. You don't get any help. No, 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 no. You do this boss by yourself. And uh, it has taken me a while to like adapt to that. But now that I feel like I have, and I can, I can, I can power through now. It did take me like a good few hours to. There was a, a point at which I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't want this. Is this is not the Souls for me? This is not like the Souls type game for me. I'm going to, I would buy out, but A, I had to do a review, and B, I am very, very petty. So I kept cracking on, and I've broken broken <laughs> through that, and uh, I feel like it's brilliant. Maybe you'll do a me, and, and then decide back. it's terrible again. It could happen. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nonsense in it. Like, there's, a lot of people like to believe that, like, the Souls games are perfect, and they have they they do have no like horse as you put it <laughs> um but the they do have they do have that and secure is no different like there are enemies who like there are bosses who like will jump above you and you'll lose your lock on them and stuff and then you'll just in that moment of not knowing where they are they'll stab you in the back and it's like okay i didn't lose there because i was I I was I didn't have the reaction speed or anything. I lost because the game broke. <laughs> or there's a fight with a guy in like a tiny whale, and you're just it's like it's like no bigger than a crappy kitchen in a student flat. And I can't I can't think in meters or feet. I have to I have to think <laughs> in like flat, flat size. It's it's a really small crappy like arena in which to fight a very nimble ninja enemy who kicks you a lot and he kicks you into the corner and your camera just kind of goes janky in the corner in the way the third person game cameras do when they were there backed into a corner they just go oh i don't know what i'm looking at what am i do and um that totally messes you up and you can't see what's going on and so there's there's stuff like that that happens in this game and happens in lots of souls games which i think merits criticism like, that's not part of the game being hard. That's just it being rubbish. If it happened in any other game, it'd be, people would complain about it. But those are infrequent. Usually it's just hard because it's made hard. If you know what I mean. Mm. Anyway, I'll stop talking about it right, because we've, we've, we've given a lot of time to it. <laughs> that's okay. Because um, I know it's been not exactly divisive, but it doesn't play like Dark Souls. Like, you can't you can't block, not block, you, you can't like put your shield up and turtle and you can't really dodge either because of the poise system so it kind of is forcing you to attack more than like... Yeah, um, 
Yeah. Stephen Messner at PC Gamer wrote a really good article about it. Uh, not to big up our competition, but uh, he was saying like it teaches you. It takes you a while to learn that you're not that you have to be aggressive. Like the game wants you to be nasty to all of the things around you. It doesn't want you to go through a fraid. It wants you to be the thing that's horrible, and that just means just keeping just keep attacking stuff all the time and never let up you have to not you have to back off sometimes to take a slug of your health potion or whatever but apart from that it wants you to get stuck in and if you don't get stuck in and stay stuck in then you are not going to win the fights very often um alice is this also your approach to the games industry yes (laughs) i lash out wildly (laughs) like an injured animal um (laughs) Cool. Um, I do think that we should talk because someone requested it as well. Um, so John and I, when we were at GDC, saw the presentation of Bloodlines 2. Oh, yes. Uh, which people are keen to hear about. Uh, so, John, um, you did some, you did a, a write up, some impressions f- for someone that wasn't us. Um, I... But congratulations on, on getting work in The Guardian. Yeah, I've um, grown, I'm a grown up now. I know. Ah, just took me um, forty-one but... years to get there. <laughs> but what did you think of the? Because it was a half-hour, um, hands-off was hands being off, driven indeed. by someone at Paradox or well, Hard Suit Labs. Um, but what did you think? As a general impression. Yeah. So it looked, it looked really good. I think a very smart thing. Um, a occasional free, RPS freelancer and man of. PC World website Hayden Dingman said about it was it does look really good but then so do all um, Unreal games right now it's really hard to tell whether they've done something brilliant or whether it's just Unreal looks really good all the time Um, but it yeah so it immediately reminded me of Vampire in a really good way um, of Bloodlines 1 I should say it was immediately uh, your your, your cast is a thin blood which in, in Bloodlines 1 was something uh, peripheral to your character you they were it was a subquest to find out who they were this time mm. you are one um and yeah it just immediately caught the vibe for me it has a sort of it, it echoes the opening of the first game but while being different enough that it doesn't feel like a yeah. pastiche um you are in you are uh, you are incorrectly sired but your survival is um is by happenstance rather than uh the whim of some man and um yeah and then it just was immediately trying to be it just i don't know sorry i'm rambling madly because it, it, i didn't i didn't get a good impression because i didn't get to sit and play it but i really liked what i liked best was that you have your vampire pyros straight away like they're straight in you can do crazy jumps and have super awesome le- uh turn to smoke and all this kind of cool stuff straight away and you're immediately a really good fighter with special moves and I mm. very strongly didn't get the impression that they were going to take them away from you after the first hour of the game. They really want, they were mm. emphasizing that they really wanted you to feel like a powerful vampire from the start, which is, which is awesome because too many games just have you piddling around for too long um, while everyone else around you is way cooler. So it looked good that way. Um, it was the, the writing felt a little bit like it was leaning a bit hard on the swearing. Um, I don't know if you noticed during your demo, but every single conversation option had a third option that was just the F word 70 times. Oh, yeah. The third option was the rude option. Yeah. And it just... What the F is going on? Who the F are you? Yeah. 
it just felt very sort of oh look at you know supply teacher winning over the class sort of um level I didn't of mind that though because cuz like cuz part of the 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 vampire sort of fandom is that sort of consciously badass <laughs> in a sort of teenage way thing and so i think I, I was like, yeah, no, that works for that. Just someone who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool and edgy. And I say the F word. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. It looked very pretty. Um, and it felt like Bloodlines. I think that was really important. And then brilliantly, during my demo, um, they accidentally <laughs> entered the debug mode by pressing some weird button. <laughs> and then they're all panicking. It's so, like, you know, I've, we've all been doing this long enough to have seen every single preview go wrong in some way. And every company, when it happens to them, thinks that, oh, no, they're going to write up our game is broken. No, your game has just been announced and you've got at least a year left of development. <laughs> it's fine for you to have a debug mode. It's not an issue for me. Um, but then I did joke that it was appetite for the set. You know, if they could release it in this broken state, it would at least match the first game. And they didn't, they didn't find <laughs> it that funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> What did you think, Alice? Um, yeah, I was very excited uh, because, um, it, yeah, Bloodlines is is one of my favorite ever games, um, uh, and I it was funny. So I like uh, got the there were different combinations of people doing interviews. I got the one that was Kara, uh, Kara Ellison. Disclaimer. Um, yeah, Kara Ellison brackets disclaimer close brackets. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Andy Kipling, who's the CEO of Hard Hard Suit Labs. Uh, and Brian Mitsoda, and I didn't notice it was Brian Mitsoda because uh, I just went straight to Cara and was like, "Hi, so great to meet." Like, <laughs> Alice says hi, and then like didn't clock that it was Brian Mitsoda because he was just like, "Hi, I'm Brian." Until he started talking properly because his voice is exactly the voice that he because he does, he voiced some characters in Bloodlines, and then I was like, "Oh my god, it's Brian Mitsoda!" And the fingerless um, gloves he was wearing didn't give it away to you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he was right. He wore them for the reveal as well. Yeah. Uh, black leather uh, fingerless gloves. See, I had um, the complete other combination of people in the room. And um, and I was even less professional when Kara came in at the end and I just stood up and gave her a giant hug. And then we made, we giggled and <laughs> chatted. <laughs> and it was way less professional. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, I thought it looked really good. Like, uh, it does feel very much like Bloodlines. I like that the you can do like traversal in exciting ways and you can just leap up the side of things and it's not like a a big deal um and you don't have to weirdly platform um i think the big because difficult because we didn't play it so people are asking like how does it feel and stuff mm. i don't know um but the combat looks a lot better um because yeah. the, the combat in the first one was terrible um, but the, yeah, the combat looks a lot better. Um, and yeah, you can fully customize your character. You can choose your body type separate from your pronouns and stuff, which is cool. Um, and I think it was interesting as well. They um, uh, they were talking about like the writing and the themes and stuff. It's set in Seattle now, um, and uh, they were sort of talking about like the kind of the two kinds of Seattle where you have like the kind of art scene and the music and the subculture, and then you have like the big corporate. Um, you know, mega, mega corpse, um, and the sort of tension between those two, and like the the vampire clan tension, kind of um, playing into that as well. So basically, I really want the the head of Starbucks to be revealed as like a, a cami <laughs> narc. Is that or the next it's president? My... It's one of the two. Yeah, one of the, one of the two. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, I like very excited, but also like trying to temper that with caution. That's interesting. It is still, yeah, like a year out. It's interesting with the Starbucks thing because they've got to depict a realistic-looking Seattle. They're going to have to license the Starbucks emblem if they want that to work, or come up with a yeah. very good pastiche. I remember standing in a po- founding a point in Seattle where I could see three Starbucks at the same time. <laughs> the, yeah, at GDC there are like f- four, I think. What? Well, yeah, it was r- ridiculous. I was living out say... the Lewis Black uh, routine. Of, I sat in a Starbucks looking across the street at the Starbucks <laughs> at one point at GDC. It, yeah. They did say, because in the fan patch, there's a fan patch and then a, like a fan patch plus that like adds more stuff. And they added in um, like backgrounds for your character. And there are going to be backgrounds in this as well. Uh, so that have different effects. So you could be like a coroner or a policeman. Like that's what you were in your human life. Um, but if you don't want to have any sort of bonuses, I guess, or like you don't want your, your human background to affect what happens in the game. You can choose what Brian Mitsoda described as the default class in Seattle, which is a barista. <laughs> but it's that, that's part of being the thin blood as well, isn't it? They're saying that your human life, the, the background you choose deeply influences your character. Because you're a thin blood, you have much more in common with your humanity. Mm. And so that background choice should apparently heavily influence how you play the game on the dialogue choices and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, Which and cool. and Kara's done like a huge like, because you were you were turned into a vampire at the same time as loads of people were, so just loads of people got turned into thin bloods and like a, a dozen or so, I think, or maybe, I don't know exactly. Some, um, some, I shouldn't say numbers. Some, uh, and Kara has uh her one of the things she's done is she's overseen like, writing all those people, and it's you can sort of as a side quest just go and track down all the other thin bloods and like see what's going on and how they're dealing with the sort of mix of humanity and vampirism and stuff. So it should be really interesting and I am excited. There we go. <laughs> uh shall we look at what our our readers slash listeners have been saying about games about which they Mind changed. Every week, we before we record the podcast, ask uh, for for your thoughts on what we're discussing. So we asked, yeah, what what game did you change your mind about, and why? On both Twitter and Facebook. Let's see what the people have been saying. The little people. You, you at home, thank you so much for your support. <laughs> you horrible tiny people. Uh, I think it's a really okay. tough question. And I think we it are going to get a lot of people going, oh, I kind of liked it, then I really liked it. Which is fair enough. That's what Brendan Gurney says about Dishonored. Which is fair enough. I mean, he was wrong not to love it the first time, obviously. But <laughs> All right, Yeah, I remember kind of liking it the first time. But with the second playthrough, it became one of my favourite games of all time. It's really good. I, th- I think the second one is the best. Yes. The Toothpick says, Mass Effect. I must have played through the co- first couple like five times before really getting into it. I always felt like the first mission is confusing, and the part in the Citadel makes it worse. Uh, but I forced myself through the entire game, and I loved it. If You, 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 forced, you forced yourself to play it five times. 
No, no, no. He's played the first no. couple of hours. But that's what I mean. Times. Like the first couple of hours, five times. Like uh, you were dedicated to changing your mind about it. Like I don't think many other people would do that. <laughs> I was thinking about. That. I was thinking about games. I wish I could change my mind about, like Undertale. I really want to change my mind about Undertale. I can't get into it. But everyone adores it, and I really want to like Undertale. Can you not get into it because of the annoying little thing you have to do with with the dodge the bullets? I couldn't get into it because it was insufferably smug. Oh, but it might. That, that, <laughs> yeah, but I want to be wrong about that. I want to change my mind. What else have people said? Ruben on uh, Twitter says Neverwinter Nights. Played the single-player campaign, found it terribly boring, shelved it after two hours and marked it as a bad purchase. Then I found neverwinterconnections.org and tried out some DM'd games, ended up playing the game on a weekly basis for five years. Amazing. That's really cool. That's great. Big change. Well, Davies says, Tetris. I never understood the point, but one day, things just seemed to line up. Oh, well, no. The good thing about that is, though, Will does disappear at that point. not a lot of responses this week come on people change your minds more oh this okay so Ruda on uh, Facebook says I didn't want to play a Souls game till you wrote about the new one now I'll buy the thing and regret money placed into hating it (laughs) (laughs) so I guess you sold Sekiro very well I mean I I did say towards the end of my review if you're thinking this is a good place to go into Souls, don't be tricked. It is just <laughs> as hard a place to go into Souls as any of them, if not more, because you have because you have no you can't bring your mates. So how brilliant would it be if From Software for the next game just released a really easy game? Oh, <laughs> oh people would be so mad. That would be wonderful. Just like a really oh. nice, gentle game. Just imagine drinking all that misery. Oh, delicious! I, Do you know, I, it would. They would make a really good first-person experience, which I yeah. believe what some people call in walking simulators now, uh, <laughs> b- because they do really nice area and like, uh, and for want of a better word, level design. They're brilliant at it. Like, if they could make, yeah. if they could, that's just why loads of people say, oh, "I wish I could walk through Dark Souls One." With none of the enemies there, because it looks amazing, and it is laid out in an amazing way. Like it, it's gorgeous. But uh, yeah, I would love to see. I'd love to see them release a game that looked exactly like any other Dark <laughs> yeah. Souls game, uh, to the point where you were a man with a sword, but actually you were just walking around town, and everyone, nobody started a fight with you. <laughs> the whole world, everyone was just very like pleasant and nice. There wasn't even a button to take out your sword. It was just for show. You were delivering it to someone. <laughs> Marvellous. It could be like a prequel and you deliver the sword to whoever is the star of Dark Souls 1 or something. That would be good. Yeah. I'd love it. There you are from software. If you're listening, Miyazaki. Yeah. Which I assume that he does every week. I assume everyone does every week. I'm going to start calling uh, life a first-person experience. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It's the only real one. It's good because you can see your legs and arms and they're the best first-person <laughs> games, aren't they? That's very true. Do you know in VR there's a thing that I think sometimes is casually called the boob problem? 
What? Where, so, it, like, if you're a designer in VR and your character is, and, and you've made it so you can look down, the player can look down and see their body, if your character is does not have boobs, but you are used to having them in real life, when you look down, there's a weird kind of, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and vice versa. So if you don't have any and, and it's a, a female character or a character that has prodigious breasts and you look down, there's a, there's a weird kind of, specifically because it's in VR, you're a bit like, ah! But anyway, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> it's time to end the podcast. Uh, and yeah, so thank you very much for, for listening and thank you for joining us this week, John. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's always, always a pleasure, never a chore. Do you actually, do you have something not games related that would be good to recommend? Because I've said we should do this on the podcast before, but like something nice that isn't a game that people might like. Um, I just started watching the second season of The OA. That's good. People should watch that. There you go. Brendan, Brandy, do you have anything that the people might like? I realise I sprung this on you. I... Recently finished reading Milkman by Anna Burns, which is a book about uh, an unspecified country that's definitely Northern Ireland and how a woman is being stalked by a milkman, but nobody believes that she's being stalked. It's really good. It does sound good. It's excellent. Uh, I, Alice Bell, will I'll recommend, actually, I mentioned it at the start, uh, there's a podcast I've recently started listening to, um, which is called The Critter Shed. And uh, it's a, uh, there's a guy who works at Trinity College Dublin um, and he works at the zoology department um, and he just has, his garden shed is heated and full of tarantulas and insects and lizards uh, and scorpions and, and cockroaches, just all kinds of frogs, like all kinds of, of amazing stuff. And so uh, um, I think it's every, it's every two weeks, maybe. Um, there's a, a new episode where um, the, uh, he and a lady discuss some things in, in the Critter Shed, and it's really good. Can there I, you go. Can I just add that a milkman is meant to turn up to your house every day, it's their job. <laughs> <laughs> this milkman's not a real milkman, though. Oh, I see. The, the, it's a very confusing point in the book, where there <laughs> there is a real milkman who's introduced halfway through the book, and he's actually a really sympathetic, nice character. <laughs> but there is also the not real milkman who everyone just calls the milkman, but ah. is is not a nice character. Um, but yeah, what was the thing you said, John? Uh, my thing was um, the OA, but also um, everyone should. I really want. I always want. It's finished like a year or two ago, but I want everyone to go and watch all three series of The Leftovers because it was amazing and not enough people watched it. I'm gonna link to all this stuff. Cool. And also, Alice is right. Critter Shed is really good. Uh, we listened to an episode in the car recently. Did you listen to the episode about spider riding? We did, and Toby was in the back of the car, but was distracted by his, his tablet. But occasionally he would look up and go, spiders! <laughs> that, but not notice all the swears, so that was lucky. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, thank you so much for listening this week to the Electronic Wireless Show, Rock Paper Shotguns, video game podcast. The literally only podcast ever, as we found out at the top. Um... Uh, we are on uh, Facebook and Twitter. We have a lovely YouTube with our video uh, team now as well. They're doing really great. Actually, they're nearly 100k subscribers already, so go subscribe to them. 
And uh, of course, you can find us as always at www.rockpapershotgun.com. So thank you very much uh, for joining us, John Walker. Thank you. Uh, and thank you for joining me as ever, Brandy. Thanks. Say goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. It's really good actually. I see why people are like, yeah, 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 it's really good.